Welcome to the CultureWise Podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace. Here, we aim to discuss topics related to how followers of Jesus can more effectively reach Latter-day Saints in their relational networks. My name is Daniel Shugart, and I'm joined today by Ross Anderson, by Trevor McIntyre, and by Logan Wolf. Now, Logan has been in Utah for some time, started out as a church planter, and, and met Trevor and was an instrumental part in him really coming to know the Lord um, and baptizing him, uh, and now, now walking with Trevor and his family through, through what it is to follow Jesus. And in our last episode, uh, we were talking about some of the uncertainty, how, how we're, we're not always sure when the moment happens when a person who is leaving Mormonism or, or maybe another religion, how they, uh, at what point are they truly born again? At what point are they truly saved? When do they enter into that covenant relationship with Jesus? More and more as in this younger generation, that's there's some uncertainty. We don't always know exactly that. And so that really influences how we think about baptism. When do we baptize? Why do we baptize? How do we baptize? And so these are these are the kinds of questions that I want to ask Logan and Trevor today. So I'm looking forward to it. But also as a note, just recently we've had a lot of um, a lot of podcast episodes where we've been interviewing multiple people, like we are today, Trevor and Logan. So I even just want to ask you guys why why do you do things together? What is the value of partnership in the mission of God? I'm going to let uh, Trevor start because if he says it wrong, I want to be able to correct him on the drive back to the house. So well, This is good. I was just going to follow in your footsteps. So, yeah. All right. Um, I, 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 for me and experience, um, we were down in southern Utah. Um, we were um, looking to um, go out and prayer walk, knock on some doors, find some people of peace. And in, in the moment of being together, we were in we were in prayer um, together. We were talking about you know where to go or you know what doors to knock on or what you know who should we talk where should, just where should we even go? And there was some just conversation around that. One of the things I think that that in this discipleship fashion is that um, we don't always see the same reality or we don't always see the same thing happening at the same time. We uniquely kind of have our own um, observations, and so when we were together, just being being in prayer um, together, pray, praying, um, both of us pray, praying together, um, and just recognizing that we weren't out there to see things and find things, we were out there to be led by the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that He would guide us where we needed to be. Um, and and there was moments in just um, talking some of those things out, and about an hour later, um, finding. A person of peace, and I think that happened because we were relying on God. We were relying on the Holy Spirit to kind of to, to guide us more. And I think we, as we start to talk and ask each other questions or pray for one another, we were able to, you know, really lean into that. And and I think that's that discipleship, not only biblically, but right. just being together, uh, learning, asking questions. Am I am I discerning this correctly? Am I seeing these things, you know, in a biblical pattern? Am I am I Am I really walking this out? Well, yeah, because I think the Christian faith is a relational faith. And so you do see, I mean, there's very rarely do you see one person just off by themselves doing everything by themselves. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always in community. And so you've got 
maybe people that are a step or two behind you that you're leading and you're following a guy a step or two ahead of you and um, and just that mutual kind of growth and discipleship. So anyway, I think it's a biblical pattern. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about baptism some um, and, and partnership and teaming in baptism. That is also a huge component. So we'll, we'll get to some of that. But first off, what does what does baptism even mean and why do we do it? Yeah, uh, I looking biblically, I would say baptism is this outward profession of a of a repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Um, it is man like immediate, like it's this. I'm choosing to identify with Jesus. Um, it's so close. I feel like I mean I wouldn't say it's essential for salvation, as some brothers or sisters might argue. But it is so close in the Bible to those moments of repentance and faith. I think it's one of those things you can't skirt over. Like it is a start of this um, walk with Jesus. How is it distinct from the LDS view of baptism? Because we're trying to minister among Latter-day Saints or people at least shaped by the LDS world. And so what, what is some of the baggage that they carry? How are they understanding it? How is that different? So unlike, I would say, with the the view of the the Mormon church, where baptism comes at a specific age, um, particularly when they turn eight and receive that first um, priesthood. In the Bible, uh, I see baptism following repentance and faith. And so it's it's not something I've, I've reached a certain stage in life, and so now this is just the next step. It is actually predicated on my spiritual journey and where I'm at with Jesus. And I think that's a huge distinction because not even just Mormonism, I know there's other religions, other groups, you know, if they focus on infants or children or this, you reach a certain stage of understanding or knowledge, but no, I think biblically it's, it's around a repentance and faith. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm tracking that. That's, there's, a, there's, there's not only the time in, if you're looking at LDS culture and doctrine, there's a time where when that, the second that baby is born, the parent is already thinking about their baptism. It's eight years. There's a specific time and date that they will undergo, you know, their, you know, you know, a, a baptism. That's that's pre-planning as those spouses are thinking about having children. They're already thinking the time of a specific day and age where, you know, they're gonna they're gonna be baptized. And I, I mean, it's immediate um, baptism, profession of faith, and. I think I think uh, yeah. I, I mean, we we could go through the biblical patterns, but in Mormonism, I, that's the thing that I think is is significant. It's already it's pre-planned, preconceived, and and it just has this time and date. Yeah, for sure. Those are great observations, guys. And what what I think of when I think about the differences, a couple things about the LDS baptism is that one is that. Um, it actually makes you a member of the LDS Church, mm-hmm. and so there's an institutional relationship of baptism with this, this, uh, with this religious entity. And the other one is that the their me- the meaning of baptism for them is um, that it wipes clean all of your sin, and then puts you on a pathway of accountability. So they actually talk about the eight years old is called the age of accountability. Where it says before you're eight, for some arbitrary reason, I have no idea where, where eight comes from. Before you're eight, you're not accountable for for your sins, for your human depravity, and so forth. Um, but at at age eight, then you become responsible for everything that 
you know, you fail in or are being worthy and all of the uh, covenant keeping and all the rest from that point on, and you're now accountable for all of that because it then marks kind of a new beginning for a new phase of your um, quest for worthiness and perfection. And so, and then one other thing I would say that's really different, well, it might not be different in all uh, uh, Protestant cultures, but it's different in this sense that in Mormon culture, the right priesthood is required for baptism to count. Mm-hmm. And so you have to have a priesthood holder in good standing or the baptism doesn't have any merit or any eff- efficacy. And uh, I think we'll talk about kind of maybe the informal priesthood that, that plays into baptism in, in a biblical sense, but, but those are some areas where uh, also I think it might be different. I think one other really key difference that I've interacted with directly is the mindset of what am I getting baptized into? Now, of course, we're thinking water, duh. But <laughs> um, <laughs> the medium. <laughs> that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like, okay, am I being baptized into membership in a church? Am I being baptized into uh, Jesus as a person? Am I being baptized into the body that's you know invisible and global? Um, wh- what is it actually that we're being baptized into? And I think the way we communicate baptism really influences how we think about that kind yeah. of a question. What am I actually getting baptized into? Um, and that, that that's a whole can of worms there I, from, my, from my experience. Um, but I, I just love to ask, uh, what are some of your experiences baptizing in, in this culture, even baptizing people that have been directly influenced or been a part of the LDS church? Yeah. So we have had the great privilege to baptize a lot of people in the last couple of years um, all over the state as we've been out sharing the gospel. Trevor and I, and as well as some other brothers and sisters, and I've seen videos of you and your wife baptizing people. I mean, people, it's awesome to see people coming to faith and, and taking that step. Um, it is because it's a, the cultural significance of baptism in the Mormon church. Uh, we've had to maybe articulate very clearly what we are doing and what we aren't doing. Um, we don't shy away personally from baptize as soon as possible, especially if they've made this public for, you know, profession of repentance and faith. Um, but I want to be clear, like this is not, uh, I'm not baptizing you to join my local body uh, or membership into our church or anything. I'm not baptizing you. Um, you know, this doesn't save you. I mean, we point back to this, the, this repentance and faith and, and, and those sorts of things. And by and large, when you take, we have found, when you take that time on the front end to make those distinctions of what baptism is and isn't, um, people have been been apt to step into it. There hasn't been much hesitation. Now, where there's been a couple instances where people have pulled back for various reasons, and, and some of those being Mormons, uh, I, that causes me to do a couple things. One, I question how clear I was and what I was communicating. Uh, I like, man, was I... Did I was that I not clear on that the gospel? Did I rush through something? Did I need to backtrack? Should I, you know, should I have lingered more on that passage of scripture? Um, and then the second thing, if I'm examining myself, is were they clear on what it means to truly follow Jesus? The, that they would verbalize that they want to do that, but then they'd hedge in this clear step of obedience to Him. And in fact, we were just talking, Trevor and I, on the way up here. Um, we were with some other brothers and sisters just two weeks ago, um, looking at a passage of scripture, uh, Luke 14, where Jesus talks about, unless you know you hate your mother and father, and you're, you know, and it goes on and talks about uh, 
Um, if you're going to build a tower, you count the cost. If you're going to go to war, you count the cost. You know, look at all this. You don't want to get out there and realize I don't have the means to finish. I don't have the means to victory. And I, I, that language, I'm wondering if if we could do a better job and incorporate in it and some of those initial conversations um, that would make it clear that, hey, following Jesus is a truly dying to yourself. And maybe some of that baggage or some of those ex- past experiences or, 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 or what have you, and I'm going to step into this. And I would rather them be aware of what Jesus is calling them to and say, I'm going to know, instead of watering it down in such a way that they jump in and then it's almost like a bait and switch. And like, he also said to do this. And they're like, oh, wait a minute. You didn't tell me that up front, you know. Um, I see Jesus, Jesus makes that first step, I think, very clear and high. And the tendency in my heart sometimes is to kind of ease people into something where Jesus doesn't do that. And so I, I almost wonder if sometimes, um, while we've, again, seen people baptize, if we would do well to incorporate some more of that language. Does that make sense? That... Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, I, I track with what you're saying because one of the things that we've seen LDS, former LDS people uh, come into faith in our church have hesitated to be baptized mm-hmm. because they don't, they're not ready yet to be outed, you know? So that that's speaking exactly yeah, what language, you're saying, yes, you know, sir. there's... They they don't they're not ready yet to like raise the flag of their life so that everybody in their family knows that they've made this decision and so really I I don't want to judge and say well they didn't really make a real decision but nevertheless you know that's really part of the conversation to say you know when you choose to follow Jesus then yeah this is going to be part of it is that you become you gain a new identity that's contrary to whatever whether it's a religious identity a secular identity whatever you had in the past and and so yeah there will be um, some warfare so there Absolutely. will be some oppositions and so um, I think I think maybe um, what you're saying is really helpful because I think those of us who are involved in ministry in the Utah climate were too maybe gentle and. I want to be gracious. Yeah. I want to be gentle, but I also there's also uh, some truth that maybe doesn't get said yes, sir. in in the context of baptism. I, and I, again, I have never had to make a decision like that, and so I do want to, want to be empathetic to the fact that when I came to faith, I didn't lose my family, I didn't my I didn't lose my job. You know, I wasn't ostracized at school, so I want to be sensitive to that. But you're right. There, I also don't want to ignore what Jesus clearly says to us, and I, I can I can hold to that, even though I don't have the experience necessary to to back that up. And so, um, it is. Uh, I, I think maybe a, something else to keep in mind, if that is the cost, and someone makes that step, and then they are ostracized, and those, those relations are broken, are our churches? prepared to come around and care for that person because you can't push someone and say, you got to count the cost and follow Jesus. And then they do it and you're like, ha, that's terrible for you. That's awesome. And they just let them fall. Yeah. Like you got to be there to catch them in that yeah. and love yeah. them through that. So mm-hmm. uh, it does say um, with boldness. Yeah. And so speaking into, um, if, you know, we're, we're talking specifically here in Mormonism. Um, one of the conversations that will come up is, oh, I've, yeah, I have been baptized. You know, why, why would I need to do that again? Right, there doesn't yeah. feel like a need. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that that's a time for offense. I really, I think that speaks speaks to um, scripture. Yeah. Uh, and we often say, you know, let the word flush that out. Mm-hmm. And being intentional 
uh, in the Word and being a little bit more patient with the Word. Um, because I, I'll be honest, there's a great sense of zeal when you're looking at somebody and you're sharing the gospel with them, and you're like, oh, oh, you professing faith in Jesus and being baptized and born again. I mean, that's where we're at. And so you almost feel this sense of like it, you just joy that you're that one that you're actually actually speaking the word and sharing the gospel, the truth, the way, and the life in Jesus. And so sometimes I, I'll find myself like leaning in, like come on, you know, <laughs> you know, like versus slowing down and saying, you know, here's a couple of scriptures. If we Matthew twenty eight. The Great Commission says, go make disciples of all nations. All right, so I'm here, I'm going, and we're sharing in, in discipleship. Then we're getting into this counting the cost, and it's very specific. And the emboldened word here is, you cannot be my disciple unless you renounce yeah. all that you have. So, but that's, like, I know. It's, like, it's, it's, letting that word, yeah. God's word, ring out in conversation from the mouth of someone who's far from God, lost or confused, or in their walk or struggling, wherever they are. But like letting that get flushed out, that's why we're really thinking, that sat me down. Yeah. That sat me down. I, that brought me down. And I'm, and I'm talking, I like to look, think, you talk about glory, you know? I, I used to think about that as like this like luminescence, light blinding light, where you can't, you can't even look upon it, you know? Um, but the weight... Mm-hmm. The weight of that, and I think that's what it what it was when we started reading and, and and really getting into what that cost. And I said, Logan, I mean, I called him up like I do this all the time, just out of nowhere. Ignore, ignore, yeah. ignore. <laughs> I called him up and I said, How many times have you read that scripture? And I was in this posture of like struggling with something in my own life, and I said, Man, I count the cost. It's like the world had come and taken something from the world, but that had bothered me. And it hurt me, and I didn't like it, and I was wrestling with it, and I was struggling with it. I don't think I really counted the cost of renouncing all that I have. What is it if the world come and takes from itself from me? If I have, if I truly renounce all that I have, wouldn't I have walked away from that? Mm-hmm. So tell me about when, when you've baptized someone or been a, you know, involved in a baptism, of those experiences— w- were they more that the individual said, hey, I want to get baptized. Can you baptize me? Or was it more that you were uh, kind of pushing it and leading them and saying, hey, here's this baptism passage. Do you think you should get baptized now? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I think of several stories that we've seen of late where you're in the word for maybe another reason. Um, and the word itself, to what you just said, Trevor, is informing and the Spirit's working through the Word. Uh, excuse me. I was uh, uh, with a lady. We were doing a, a Bible study around repentance and faith. So she had just wanted to learn more about Jesus. And so we're going through it. And she kept saying, like using language, like she was a Christian. She's got a Mormon background. She grew up Mormon. But she's like, I'm a Christian now. I'm a Christian now. Um, and we're just going through these different passages about you know what repentance looks like. And so we went through this first one about Simon and the sinful woman. And at the end, she's like, oh, man, it's this Simon guy is terrible, right? I'm like this sinful woman. I know I need – yeah, he's a terrible dude. And then it's like, I would never. I would never do that. And then, then she's like, but I know like I'm far – you know, I know I'm far from God right now, and I need to get my life cleaned up before he'll really love me. And I was like, that's not the – okay. So so went to another passage like a week later and looking at uh, the Pharisee and the – 
tax collector at the temple. And she's like, oh, I'm this Pharisee. What's his deal, right? He's comparing himself to people and he's listing all of his good. I'm like this tax collector. I know I need Jesus. And, but you know, I need to get my life cleaned up first. That way God will really, and I'm like, it is not. So like the, the next week we looked at the passage where Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. And, and it was like a light switch flipped. And she, she looked up the passage, looked up and she's like, I'm the Pharisee. I, I'm, I'm the one, I need to repent of my sin and quit trying to earn Jesus's love and forgiveness. And that wasn't me pushing. That was just exposing her to the word. What's interesting is right after that, we, the very next time we would look at, we do look at a, a passage in Acts and uh, the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. And we were probably six verses into it, right, right up to the point where she, he, uh, Philip encounters the Ethiopian eunuch and she looks up and she's like, if I'm going to follow Jesus, I need to get baptized now. And, <laughs> and it was, I didn't even got to ask the question yet. And so we went from her living room to my backyard and we baptized her that afternoon. So I, I've got a, I've got a really good one that I can summarize pre- pretty, pretty quickly with now, that one. Quickly. Yeah. But okay. I'm on the clock. You want to start too? <laughs> no, go, okay. go, go. I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I was in a really, uh, challenging, uh, situation and, 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 I'm, and it was discipling. Um, there was a lot of theological, there was a lot of baggage, there was a lot of mess. And this took place over the course of a year. Um, and I would often call and s- we got to debrief this. What, why is this hurting my heart when I'm talking to this person? You know, am I being self-righteous? Am, you know, am I being, you know, a little highbrow, a little high church, you know, like what's, what's happening here, Logan? What's, what's the posture of my heart? And I'm willing to take some insight. Like, am I getting this wrong? You're talking about that, like taking somebody into baptism through, through that, through that walk. And this was over the course of a year. And I got to the, to the point where it was, it was, uh, this this the situation of discipleship in group setting, small group setting, was derailing scripture. Was derailing a, a lot. There was a lot of stuff going on, and I said, "Man, I don't really know how to handle this, uh, Logan, in a biblical way. What am I supposed to do here?" And I came to a point where I'm like, "Dude, if I speak up and say something like this, could relent. This could end relationships. Hmm. This could be very definitive. I don't know that I'm prepared to do that. What should I do?" Said, I don't know, man. We'll just keep. We'll just. This that's a common thing, by the way. When you that's come to the these best. really deep, profound things, he'll say, I don't know, man. But he'll follow it up with this. I got you. I'll save you. He, he'll he'll follow it with this. Let's 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 pray about that, man. Let's pray about that. And so, we did. We did. And and by no, this is what I love. By no means of my own, it was I had nothing to do with it, right? Like it was, I just was like, I don't know what to do here. I guess I'm just going to keep sitting in this till something changes. About a week later, person comes in, starts talking to me um, about salvation, about truly following Jesus, about really bearing the cross. And so I, 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 we started having this conversation and, and it was just spirit led. It was not me. I looked over at him and said, um, what do you feel God putting on your heart right now? It's like I really need to, I really need to just follow Jesus. I just, I just need to give my life over to Jesus. And I was like, I agree with you, and you're right. What do you need to do now? I didn't prompt. I didn't. We weren't in some script. And 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 they they leaned over and it says, I, I need to be baptized. And I said, We need to do that right now. Are you prepared to turn your life over to Jesus and be baptized? And and. 
They said, yeah. And I said, let's go. And we got up, <laughs> we went and baptized him. <laughs> so, so, so sometimes I think we have an approach to it. Like we're, we're, we're kind of, we, we've seen this story, we've seen this kind of play out. That was a great example where I had come to the end of that script and I did not know what to do and did not see this coming. And by the way, that was an answered prayer. That was saving grace, and that was God working real time right there, which I don't often think that we really give the glory to God in these situations. It's like, I didn't have anything to do with that. God prepared that person's heart. I was bold enough to say, hey, we're calling you to repentance and faith, and that follows baptism. Are you prepared to do that? And they said, yes. I didn't do any of that. I just spoke up. Uh, to the flip side of your question, Daniel, um, you got these stories where God's clearly at work, but I, I also don't think that it's wrong if someone tells me they're a Christian and I ask them about their baptism, uh, that can be telling about what's actually going on spiritually in their own understanding. Like, so I've been, I know people say, I've been a Christian for 20 years, and you ask them about baptism, well, I've never been baptized. Why? Like, where is the break? Like, you're 20 years disobedient. Like, where is the break? Like, where is the breakdown? And and so I think it can even lend itself to good, meaningful scriptural conversation. Now, I don't go around like baptized checking everyone, you know, like, so when did you get baptized? Card carrying yeah, yeah, member. Come on. But I think, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to, you're sensitive to like God is at work here, but I think there might be a place for just a direct question of someone saying they're a Christian. So I wouldn't want someone to, have that false sense of identity. I'm a Christian and yet walking in, in disobedience or walking and somehow the understanding of what, you know, I, I, so I just would be wary of that. Same thing you, on the flip side of that. I wouldn't want to baptize someone being unclear about what they're doing mm. and it creates a false sense of security there too. Yeah. So I think baptism is one of those things you need to be, we need to be very clear biblically what it is and what it isn't. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So in your experience, um, have you had some people that you've baptized? fall away from the Lord and not really follow Jesus and prove to be like in the parable of the soils, soils two or three, where it springs up, but doesn't make it, it doesn't actually prove to, to yeah. be fruitful repentance. I'm sure I have. I'm trying to run through. I know some, uh, we've baptized a lot of people. I know we're all, most all those people are. Some of them are in our gathering. Some of them have, we pushed them to some more traditional legacy style churches. Some of them have moved away. Um, so some of the relationships are at a distance that I, I don't know. I can think of maybe one instance where that's probably the case. Um, the, the person is no, I don't think is, is where they're, they're still following the Lord. Um, in those situations, this is always so tricky because I want to be obedient to God and making disciples. And part of that in Matthew 28 is baptizing people. Um, and so I, I want to make sure I'm obedient but you don't know like that person's heart. You go back to the parable of the four soils. Like the four soils, there's only, you know, a couple of them, there's evidence of stuff's happening. And so you want to press into it. And it's not till later that it oh it withers away and it shrivels up, you know. And so um it is it is tricky. But so yeah, I think we have seen some. Fortunately, I don't think it's been widespread. And I think that goes back to we're talking about the word really pressing in what baptism is and what it isn't. I think you could be happy-go-lucky because it's so exciting to see someone baptized. You know, you could go like, we want to baptize everybody. You get a baptism and you get a baptism. Um, and so I, I don't want to fall into that category. Um, 
but I think there are probably some instances maybe I could have been clearer. Again, I'm all, it makes me question myself more than anything. Have I been clear in the gospel? I, I, th- I think just moving a little bit deeper into that question, um, that, I mean, you did a brilliant job. No, we could just stop there. But, <laughs> um, I, th- I, think, I think what we're also seeing, too, is, look, there's, there's people that have gone into Catholicism, the occult, mm-hmm. okay, Mormonism, and, and who knows what else they were reading or dabbling in um, on, their, on, their, on, their, on their way, and have come across Christianity, right, and, 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 and are well-versed in Scripture and the Bible, um, and, and then we'll, we'll, we've, we've walked with them, they've, they've done a profession of faith, we understand we're walking them, but then we're seeing some real either heavy spiritual warfare or we're starting to see some discernment of discipleship that needs to take place. So the baptism happened, the profession of faith and the meetings and Scripture and the Word and all those things, and we're walking, but the terror and the wheat. Uh, Okay, that's a good point because I think sometimes we baptize people and think, all right, ship shape, my job's done here, yeah, and that's actually... That's the beginning of their discipleship into like they're walking with Jesus now, and so you can't just pull away. Like there is this, I have to keep going with you because it's gonna get it's gonna get rough. I was reading in this yesterday. Immediately, it says immediately when Jesus was baptized, the Spirit took him out in to the wilderness. Immediately, and so you can see that immediation. Oh, that's, that's not, not even that's a, a word. Merging of you were gonna edit that part out. Yeah, that's you not even, cut that Oh one. my gosh! You see, you see these two things happen, um, but what comes with that? is this suffering, it comes this spiritual warfare immediately. Uh, I think that's maybe the emphasis of what, what we're seeing. And so, so you can see that scripturally. Now, when that happens as you're discipling somebody, you're, you're, you're in it. And you want to talk about messy. You want to talk about a spiritual warfare here. Like, th- so, so that baptism is kind of like there. This person's really—they've they, done that. Now it's walking through the cost of following Jesus. Now it's talking about spiritual warfare. Now it's talking about some of these other things. Yeah. A question I have that kind of coming out of your stories, because you guys have shared stories about both of you being involved in baptizing people as they've come to faith in Christ. Um, and it, by contrasting to the Mormon uh, experience, where it has to be an authorized priesthood holder, mm-hmm. or the baptism isn't any good, it doesn't take, you know, whatever. So, so really, um, how do you guys approach the question of who can do a baptism, or, or maybe even who should do a baptism when somebody does come to faith in Christ? All right, I want to try to answer this succinctly without walking through all the, the theological points of it. I, I would say I don't need to give anyone permission to do what Jesus has already commanded them and commissioned them to do. And so I would point to passages like the Great Commission and all the Gospels and in Acts. Uh, I'd point to passages about the priesthood of believers, like in Second Peter. Um, but so I would First Peter. First Peter, excuse me. So that's why I said I didn't want to get want to get into the passages, and I'm referencing it anyway, and called out for it. Thanks, Daniel. Uh, so um, I would say Jesus has already commissioned us to do this. So as far as who then should baptize. I, I point to the biblical pattern. I think it's the person who's involved in leading you to faith. And so I always, looking back on it now, so now we're doing a lot of this disciple-making stuff, a lot of house churches, a lot of stuff on the streets. When we were in the buildings, I think it was, it was an honor, it was a privilege. I don't want to downplay it, but it was also kind of ridiculous that I was baptizing people that I, ne- I didn't even know until I was baptizing them. I, I was meeting them as they're coming to get baptized. Like, you know, I want to get baptized. Um, and other people had led them to faith. 
And I tell you, there is something very powerful in, in galvanizing your identity in Christ, like baptizing someone you turn around and led to Jesus oh, yourself, gosh. right? I mean, it is, it is a incredible, and I, yeah, I'm, all, all of us have baptized people. It is a yeah. cool thing to do, man. And so I would just say, if you've led someone to faith, I would encourage you to be, if not the baptizer, like in the water, like we're, you're part of what's happening here. Yeah. I'll tell you something that's interesting as, as, as I'm a Utah native, right? Like I've, I've seen this stuff my whole life. Um, I, I hear something that's interesting. We talk about the authority, right? Or that you would, if you're going to be specific into Mormons, the priesthood. Um, we were talking about this in the, in, 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 in the conversation of, I don't want it to be my, my take on scripture. I want them to hear the word of God. Yeah through the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and live their life, live it through the Scripture and for teaching and, and, and growing and maturing in, unto the fullness of, of Christ, right? Like, okay, so we're on that walk with people, but not being the authority, the traditional authority. But what I have saw happen, and I would say family members, community members, um, people that, I, that I'd grown up with and knew for over 20 years, um, is I've seen that authoritative person put on such a high uh, pedestal where now they're 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 worshiping the person, and you see that culturally. Not to say um, that that it should or shouldn't happen; it just naturally does. Now, where that really damaged many many people, um, and I don't think we see it fully lived out over their life, to, to, you know, because they don't really want to talk about it or how they felt about it. They just kind of internalize it and turns into cancer and they, they just leave it in their body. That person who has that um, Mormon um, man-given authority, to be specific, when that person falls off that pedestal mm -hmm. and was uh, he held within their, um, within their structure, um, a very high position of authority, that's, I think, a better way to look at this um, terminology-wise, that they were like, wait, that's the person that baptized me. Yeah. Wait, that's the person I had to sit in their office yeah. and get uh, interviewed about some very um, interesting things. And so there's a big psychology there. So I'm just going to kind of strip away what I feel like needs to be pulled back for Christianity, and those are two s separate things. But I, I see the damage done uh, in those situations from my cousins, from family members um, in, in, involved in that type of structure. That, that, that can be that – that could crush somebody. Um, over their lifetime, well, you, generation. You see that biblically where they're like, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos, and they were kind of bragging on the person they were following. Um, and it's interesting when you look at the biblical, every biblical example of baptism, there's only like two instances where you know who was doing the baptizing. Like there's not an emphasis on the human instrument of, of the baptizing. And I think that is significant for that very reason. Like my, this is, I'm being baptized in obedience to Christ and to the body of Christ. And we're peers in that. Like we're not, oh, now like you've got some kind of hierarchy over me because like, God forbid something does happen, one of us falls, and then all of our disciples look to us and say, well, now I'm just I'm an outcast now. I'm far from God. So No, those are great points. And I, I wanted to jump in on this and say just I think how we do baptism, you know, we do it because in our church setting, we'll often do people collect them a little bit until we do them in publicly in a service. Not always, depends on what you know the circumstances are. But when, but what we're modeling is when we, when the pastor is doing all the baptism, we're modeling exactly that kind yeah. of thing, um, and that that's this guy's role, and he's got some kind of like special, you know, superpowers or something like that. 
Power to baptize. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah. But when, when the person – so that what we normally do is – is what you suggested, Logan, the person who's most involved in, in their you know, faith journey and they're coming to faith in Christ is the one who, who gets to follow through on that and be part of that still. And, and I, what I've noticed is that when we do that publicly, that's a powerful model to people to say, oh, you can have this role in somebody's life. You can help someone come to faith in Christ. Yeah. And so it's just modeling a whole view of ministry that deprofessionalizes it a lot and kind of makes it um, well the way the way that you know it's supposed to be. Amen. Right, and that ties into the the topic of teaming together and being a partner together. So when you're baptizing somebody together or encouraging somebody else to baptize, what you're able to do is actually release that priesthood authority, as Trevor mentioned a little bit. We're trying to help people step up into roles that they might have thought were unattainable to them before because. I don't know. They're not trained. They're not pros. They didn't get the degree in it. So I tell you, one of the things it's as much as I love baptizing people, it is almost more exciting to see someone I baptize turn around and baptize someone else. Like it is, it is an incredible thing to realize that they have taken their walk with Jesus serious enough to turn around and, and share it with someone else. And isn't isn't that what we see in John 4? John, The beginning of John 4, it says that um, it, it was found out that Jesus was baptizing more disciples than John, but there's this little parenthetical. I think it's beautiful. But Jesus was not baptizing. Right. It was his disciples who were <laughs> baptizing. And so I think it was the glory of Jesus that he did not baptize. It was his disciples that were baptizing new disciples. Mm. So good, man. Teaming, baptizing people together discipleship, bringing that back to a really good um, example, uh, uh, down working in Southern Utah with another brother, uh, Matt, yeah. and, and starting to disciple his, his, um, his neighbor, um, all of a sudden, like late spring, and this is a two, three-year process, uh, late spring, he says, come down, we're, we're going to baptize Richard. I said, oh, cool. He's like, you were there. We were, you were sharing a word. We were all knocking on the doors and inviting them over. And I was like, okay. So Matt's like, you, you know, let's go, let's go baptize them. Okay, okay, yeah. I mean, this, all right. Whatever we're doing, we're doing together, right? Teaming discipleship, doing this. So this person's goes from the kingdom work, right, far, far from God, to standing in a lake, open to 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 receive salvation, and 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 I mean open. And put him in the water, right? And 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 from death to life, <laughs> and he comes out. And as we're walking out, we're praising God. We're standing around. I I have a tendency to do this, and I turn around and says, "Does anybody else here today want to make a profession of faith?" Yeah. And, and I was speaking to the people on the boat docks. I was speaking Dude, was, to anybody was, in the campground awesome. that could hear. And I know people awesome. heard me. Um, but here's the great part. So now I'm teaming. And discipleship, something that I'm just, I'm, I'm just going, whoa, like angels in heaven, like all, all of heaven, which I can't, that hurts my brain to say and think about. So um, I'm like, wow, like for eternity, like for, forever, like can't, can't, you know, can't fathom that. And then Matt turns over to this brother and his hair's got the frozen lake water still dripping wet, off of it <laughs> and he's shivering. And Matt looks at him and he says, hey, we're about to go into the harvest this afternoon. Do you want to come with us? And this was a telltale moment. And he goes, yeah. 
Yep, canceled the rest of the day. Whatever they had going on, you could tell. He's like, hey, I'm going. Next thing you know, two hours later, standing in a guy's backyard, and he's witnessing to people. That's awesome. So teaming, <laughs> discipleship, awesome. baptism, that's, that's, that's walking it out. That's biblically walking it out, and that happens because of iron-on-iron iron moments. That happens because I say, hey, man, I've got this wrong. I know it. It's, this is something I'm wrestling with. So what do I do here? And and seeing that all come 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 to fruition and 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 the glory of God just just boom like I say press us all down there that's a great example of kind of all three of those things for sure yeah so ba- backing up a little bit I, w- I want to ask this question while we still have you here but how have you communicated baptism to people that are contemplating it how have you communicated what it is when they should do it and why they should do it yeah I mean on the like in a conversation, I will quickly just draw that distinction. I think we've already said it. You know, baptism is this, it's an outward profession, outward display of this inward profession of faith and repentance. Uh, beyond that, as questions come out of that, we'll put them to the scriptures like we've just been talking about. So we will walk them through um, a number of those biblical examples of w- looking at a couple things. When baptism happens, and we want to highlight two things, the immediacy of it, and then after repentance and faith. Like it's not a, I reached a certain stage of life. It's after repentance and faith. Um, so we highlight those points with the biblical examples. Um, and then we we highlight the fact that, hey, it's not necessarily that I'm doing something that someone else couldn't do for you. This is just a, this is worse obedience to Jesus. And so we look at the fact that the baptizers not ever emphasized overtly, um, as well as Jesus's command, I mean, to be baptized. Um, you see that in the Great Commission, make disciples, baptize them. And then uh, Peter's message at, at Pentecost, and too, what do we do? They're cut to the heart. What do we do? You, know, you crucified Jesus. What do we do? He says, repent, believe, and be baptized, like right there. And that's exactly what, what happens. And so we point to kind of those examples. Um, but it has been helpful, particularly with people of a Mormon background, to walk through those passages of Scripture. Again, I would rather... I don't want someone to do it because Logan said to do it. I want someone to come to it because they're convinced biblically this is what yeah. Jesus is calling me to. Because again, to back to what you were saying with human authority, God forbid something happen to me and my testimony. And I don't want people saying, well, Logan's the one that said this to me. And so now what do I do with you? No, I want them to be convinced from the word that this is what they need to do. Right. Yeah. Everything that does not proceed from faith is sin. And so yeah. if someone's getting baptized as an obedience to you, or obedience to an institution or an ideology, like that's actually not good for you. Don't get baptized. Don't do that. (laughs) Get baptized only because of faith in the Lord and obedience to Jesus. So I know you you had said that there um, there was at least a couple people that after explaining baptism and clarifying it, they backed off and said, maybe not. Have you ever had the experience, either of you, had the experience of uh, you actually told them, no, I'm not going to baptize you? I have not had that experience, but I be honest with you, that's always in my back pocket. Like I am not afraid to say it. Like I've because there's been conversations I've had with people that I thought I might have to, but as it unfolded, it was I didn't I didn't have to bring that up. But yeah, that's a good point. Like I don't I don't want someone just to push and insist on it, and me just go along with it when it's if, 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 if there's a pushback in my heart and spirit. Like I don't think there's understanding here. I don't think there's clarity on some of the terms we're using here, which I think is big when you're talking, especially with, with Mormons. I don't want to just go through the motions because they're insistent on it. Um, I don't think I would be obedient in that. Just again, go back to just baptize for the sake of baptizing. You know, I don't want to be guilty of sharing a story, trying to get people like excited and realizing that story is not an honest story. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
I, I man, I really want to continue the conversation on the cost. Um, the cost, um, and I think um, it was a it was a trouble trouble um, shooting session where we were trying to understand um, those that come into um, faith and that feel the call of that the the great commission isn't the same as you've been commanded by the great commission, you know, um, and 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 making disciples and emboldening people more of. So you say you're, you know, you have different spiritual gifting, or you're, not, you know, apostolic teacher, pastor. You know, you want to, you want to get into the structure. That you, no, no, no. We're having a different conversation. We're talking about the cost of following Jesus, and I think, I think that's a really important thing. Um, baptism, in all sense of the word, I mean, it's a cost. It is. It's a cost because um, my own expression, standing in the water, thinking to myself like. Can't go back. Mm. I know where I am, and I and I can't stay here. Mm. What does this mean to me? And 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 that's what it was. And and honestly, I said, well, come. What, I didn't. I, now I could look at it. Come what may, whatever's going to happen now this is going to happen. But I'm definitely not going to continue doing what I'm doing, and I'm definitely not going back. I was dead. Yeah, yeah. I found that to be a helpful thing to be able to point people back to of, hey, do you remember that time that we yeah, baptized yeah. you where we were there at your baptism? And do you remember how it was clarified that hey, you're actually identifying with Jesus's death? You're dying to sin and you're coming alive to Jesus. You're joining your life to him. Uh, do, you, do you remember that? Yeah. yeah don't it's forget good, that. Man. I'm going to hold you to it. Um, it's similar to being uh, like at someone's wedding. Like, hey, I stood next to you when we got married and I heard you <laughs> say this you promise. <laughs> what are you doing? Get back on it. Come on. Yeah, it's, right? it's like I can hold people to it. So when I clarify the gospel uh, and clarify baptism specifically as death yeah, yeah. to life, new mm-hmm. life like that, I think is something if we clarify it, we can point back to it and hold people oh, when, when man, faith wavers and people may want to bow out or go back to the familiar, um, the things that are hard and say, I'm not sure I can pay that price. Like, remember, remember? He did. Jesus Good, paid bro. the price for you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, guys, for joining. Uh, I want to remind our listeners that uh, we did have an interview with Logan Wolf previously. Uh, it was a awesome interview. So if you haven't had the chance to, to listen to it, go back, listen to that. Um, and also just an encouragement. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the Great Commission. Um, this is this is the call for believers and followers of Jesus that we would um, go and make disciples. It's really only the beginning. That's because we baptize them and begin uh, leading them in a relationship with Jesus. It says, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded, Jesus speaking. And so, man, we want to we wanna be faithful to baptize those who are disciples in Jesus. And we want to help them follow everything that Jesus instructed them to do. Part of that being the Great Commission itself. And so here's, here's our encouragement to be about this work. This is the Lord's work. Uh, the Lord is working in it. He is faithful. And so thank you, Trevor. Thank you, Logan, for being faithful in the mission. And thanks for coming up today. Yeah, thank you for having, thank you for having us. Again, this is the CultureWise podcast where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace.